Thanks for listening to Pod of Jake. I'm Jake. You can reach me anytime by emailing jake at blogofjake.com. I'm fortunate to have some sponsors supporting the show whose products I genuinely love and recommend. I'll start with a word on those so the rest of the episode will have no interruptions. I hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Levels. Levels uses continuous glucose monitoring to track your blood sugar in real time. It allows me to see the impact that everything I do has on my metabolic health so that I can optimize my diet and exercise accordingly. Wearing the Levels patch, I feel like I'm living in the future. There's this moment when you raise your phone to the back of your arm, it vibrates and shows your glucose level right on the screen. It's this instantaneous look inside yourself, an in-the-moment snapshot of what's going on inside your body. And while it's only showing one simple measurement for now, it's enough for me to see the future. And that's exciting. It's exciting because I believe that we can live meaningfully longer and healthier lives than we do today. And I believe technologies like Levels will help us to get there. Levels is currently running an exclusive beta program with a wait list of over 100,000 people, but you can skip the line and join Levels today by using my link in the show notes, levels.link slash jake. Again, that's levels.link slash jake. This episode is brought to you by Aura. That's O-U-R-A. The Aura ring, from my perspective, is the single best wearable on the market. I use it to measure my sleep, activity, and readiness on a daily basis. I bought my Aura ring several months ago before talking with the company's CEO on the podcast. I haven't taken it off since. I believe what gets measured gets managed. So if you care at all about your health, which you should, you have to measure your sleep in order to manage it. Aura measures much more than just my time in bed. It tracks my REM sleep versus deep sleep, my resting heart rate and heart rate variability, my temperature, my activity, and much, much more. For $299, you can get your own Aura Ring on AuraRing.com. That's O-U-R-A-R-I-N-G.com. AuraRing.com. Okay, let's get into it. Thank you, Robbie, for coming on and joining me on the podcast today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you are the founder and CEO of Othership, a guided breathwork app, and I'm looking forward to discussing that and some of your other work around personal health and sort of related activities, uh, as well as a stint in crypto. You worked early on Ethereum, so a lot of overlap here and, and looking forward to getting into all of it. Uh, before we get started and, and dig into all of that, would love to hear, for those who don't know you, they don't know Othership, uh, just sort of your origin story from uh, as early as you're willing to start to where you are today and, and some of the decisions you made along the way. Yeah, I think what comes up, firstly, thanks for, for having me. I'm super grateful uh, to be on and excited to, to connect with you. But what really resonates with people, I think, is this need to please at an early age. And so getting a lot of validation, you know, when I think about my childhood, like beautiful childhood, amazing family, a lot of friends. Um, but this need to like um, get validated, to feel loved. And so some things that, you know, I really remember is like being in grade two and like putting up my hand, like, I know the answer, pick me, pick me. And then, hey, I answer in class and it's like, oh, I did a good job. I'm worthy, you know, or, oh, I, I really wanted uh, people to like me. So this idea of like being a, a people pleaser. So I love social engagements and, and chatting with people and networking, but this need of, you know, am I, am I good enough and worthy? And, and so I think the way I was raised was, um, 
kind of fear-based where my parents who really wanted me to, to be successful, to be safe, kind of rewarded doing well in school, you know, working, being successful, playing sports, all that stuff. So when I would do something, I would get rewarded. So my earliest memories of are like trying to be the best just so that I was worthy versus, you know, just being and, and being content. And those behaviors all the way from like elementary school. And I remember, you know, to high school and they, they kind of drove my career decisions. And then this need to want to, you know, be successful and have nice things and have girls like me and have people like me. And that was a real driving force for me until my, my thirties, basically. Right. So that's uh, some, some of the early sort of motivations and, and what molded you. Um, but when it came time to actually, you know, graduate college and, and go on and sort of start your career, uh, it wasn't a straight path to, to where you are now, uh, focused on, on breath work with your latest venture uh, and just taking a, you know, prioritizing health, I think, in general. Uh, you started off similarly to myself, actually, in, in finance um, around the time for, for you of, uh, you know, 2008. So sort of a, a tough time to, to get started in finance. Can you tell the story of like what that was like, sort of beginning your, your post-education life and, uh, and sort of how, how starting in finance led to, you know, the next steps and, and eventually where you are now? Yeah, totally different. Uh, <laughs> The different uh, career path for sure. So, you know, when I went to university, I, I never even really thought what I want to do. I was just like, oh, I'm going to be in business, you know, business guys, business people, they're successful and, and they make money. And if I have money, I can have nice things and, you know, a nice house and nice car and, and feel good about myself. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard and go to business school. So I did that. And then in business school, it was like, well, what are the, what are the best jobs? And so at the time, there wasn't really startups. That wasn't like a career path. It wasn't common. And so it was, you know, consulting, investment banking, accounting. And so I saw that the highest paying jobs were in investment banking. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to do that. I, I can compete and I can get one of those jobs and not really even thinking about like what that job was just like, that's what the smartest kids are competing and trying to get. So that's what I'm going to get. So work super hard, got a job in investment banking. And like, you think about, you look back on that and you're, you're trading in, you know, Monday, 9 a.m. till 11 p.m., seven days a week, terrible culture and environment and finance. And I thought it was interesting, but also after a few years, just looking around and like, I wasn't inspired. There was no use of creativity. These things that I, I didn't realize were, were passions for me. And so I was just sitting at a computer all day long, all night sometimes. And the fund I worked at in 2009, the credit crisis imploded and it sort of forced me into this position of, you know, there wasn't really any finance jobs left in LA where I was living. And so I was sort of forced to choose a new career, uh, which was actually, when I look back, it was like really tough, right? I'm, I'm young. I'm like, oh man, I'm falling behind my friends and seeing them be successful in those jobs. And it just was, was hard, but then it forced me to look like, okay, well, if I look at people who are 40 doing this role and they've sacrificed their family They've never really built anything for a customer. It's all about like getting to the next step, getting that promotion, getting that extra money, but giving up really like your health, your mental health, your social time, your relationships. And when I had decided to do that in the first place, I was, you know, 20 years old. And so I just didn't realize like what actually makes you happy in life. And so I was really lucky because, uh, you know, a lot of friends I have stayed in that place. And now at 
36, 37, it's almost impossible to leave because your skill set isn't super transferable and you're making a lot of money. And so to, to leave, you know, you're immediately getting a 75, 80, 90% pay cut. And then you're starting in a space you don't really have skills in. And so you kind of get trapped. Oh, I'll just do this two more years. I'll just do this, you know, a couple more years. And so I was lucky, uh, you know, around 24 to uh, kind of be forced out of that path. And so the next step I took was, was still same mentality. Like I want to be successful. I want to make money, you know? And so I was like, oh, well, like there's these things, startups. And that's the way if you, if you build something like this, like I, you know, was an early Facebook user and kind of saw that success and was it's still like around this time period, it's not clear that you can become successful for startups. Like it's not, you know, Y Combinator is not really a thing. And, and so I had this idea of, oh yeah, like I'm going to do this and I'm going to get rich fast because there's a good opportunity here, which what I've learned in my life is always a mistake to sort of go after that. And then especially the, the next business I started with the technical co-founder in Toronto was the telecom platform built around roaming. And so we made this little chip that would go on your phone and would give you access to global cell phone service when you travel without roaming fees. Like, I, don't, I don't care about roaming. Like, I don't give a shit, you know? And so I was just like, this seems like a really good opportunity and I'm going to make my mark. But then, you know, when things got tough in that business, it's like, if you don't care about the end customer and the problem you're solving, it makes it really challenging and, and all businesses get tough. So like, what is going to power you through? So that was sort of the next stage of, of my career. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a few interesting points. First of all, the the golden handcuffs, which I certainly saw my fair share of with you know people around me. You you get into that sort of banking world, and uh, you, it's you know like any group. I think there's like a lot of groupthink, and it just becomes like okay, you know X Y Z promotion is like the next step, and like if you're not getting there by this time, then like you're behind, or you should be exiting to private equity or whatever it might be. And uh, you step outside of it if, you know, you're forced out of it, like, like you were with, the, with what happened in the economy or myself sort of chose to step away after a couple of years, similarly to you just looking around and realizing like, all right, these, you know, people 25 years in front of me and in, in like my company aren't really, you know, the, like good for them, but it's, it's not particularly the life that, that I want to live um, or, or the place where I want to end up. And if that's the case, then why am I working so hard for it? So um, I think it's, it's hard to see outside of, but whether you can sort of make the choice or, uh, or if it's forced upon you, it's, it's, uh, it's useful. I think when you're sort of ingrained in, in any group to be able to take a step outside and, and think clearly and, and independently for a while. So you're able to do that and then decided to, to take the jump into, uh, probably the one thing that, that at least can be harder than, uh, investment banking in terms of the hours, at least, which is starting your own company. And, uh, it sounds like you did it correct me if I'm wrong, but like more so to start a company than for the idea itself, which you basically said, you know, you didn't have like a passion for this stuff by any means or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've come to think that like starting a company for the sake of starting a company is probably generally never a good idea. Like you, uh, you should expect to work on the thing for like at least 10 years if, if you want to make it successful. And in order to do so, you probably need to care about the thing a little bit. Um, and you know, this didn't have a happy ending for you. And fortunately the story wasn't over and you got to have a whole next chapter to leading up to where we are now. But can you talk about sort of how that decision unfolded for you and uh, you know, maybe what you learned from, from that process? 
Yeah. So same, as you said, it was just like, Hey, this seems like a good opportunity to build something. And it, it was exciting. You know, we had a product, people were using it. It was the first time I'd ever done something like that. We were raising money. I felt this ego of like, wow, I'm going to build something huge. I once met the, the president of Skype, you know, the first, first few years it was going like pretty good. Cause you're, you're not really delivering, you're, you're selling a promise and like you're raising money and you think that's success and it's not like executing on the vision and actually selling the product is success. And, you know, but I felt like, oh, I met the president of Skype, like we're going to get acquired for hundred million. I'm going to be rich. This is awesome. And it was exciting. And then, you know, I kind of got into that and realized how much I didn't know. So hired a bunch of senior executives from telecom that had been working at like 7,000 person companies. All of a sudden the budget exploded. We had to build you know, for every phone in every jurisdiction. So the product was perfect. And like, I had no sense of MVP, like minimum viable product and like building lean, which just means like starting, you know, the example would be instead we should have built for like iPhone four people in Toronto going to the UK and perfected that. And if like that didn't work, you know, shut the thing down and not wasted all this money. Instead, we built this massive system, the software on the SIM card, the hardware, the billing system, like spent just a ton of money building this up um without really like validating that like it could be a scalable business so that was my first you know kind of foray into entrepreneurship and i thought yeah i'm smart i can figure it out whatever and kind of went through that process for, for four years raised way too much money and then roaming prices which was our wedge dropped 90 percent. you know so something that we were offering a 90 percent discount you have to change your sim card now people aren't that interested and for two years, because we'd raised so much money, it was like impossible to sell enough of these things. And I, you know, firing people, moving stuff out of a data center to another one because we couldn't afford the bill, like just trying to make it survive. Investors calling me and I'm like 26 at this time. So I have no idea how to deal with this kind of stress. I have no mental health practices. I didn't care about any of that stuff. I was really into, you know, drinking and, and drug use on the weekends. I have ADHD. So I'm like a very charismatic, like person that's into stimulation just love extreme sports and ice baths and breath work and all this stuff, which, which really works for me. But entrepreneurship was the same. It was like an addiction, like I'm going to get up and work and, and, and crush. And so I, I got really into that lifestyle and along with it, um, drugs were, were really hard for me. And so, you know, I would kind of to deal with the stress on Friday night, start drinking and then would disappear for 24 hours and, uh, company ends up failing. And it's pretty clear for like two years, it's, we're not going to be able to, pay back the amount we spent to build the system, which was like $25 million. And so it's just every month negotiating a bridge loan, everybody's angry, you know, friends and family had invested, where's my money, they're calling me up, I'm getting, you know, vendors, we can't afford to pay, there's so many people working for us now. And like, managing that many people, I had no idea how to do And I just realized like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was living in Toronto. So I had no, no mentorship or support hardware was like really new at the time. And uh, the business ended up failing. And for those two years was the worst two years of my life. I was, you know, one, like my salary was coming from the business. Uh, I was spending more than I made to try to like fit in with friends and be cool and, and have nice things. As I mentioned before, that was a driver. And like everything I did was like, I want to be successful. And I was working really hard too. And so it's just, you know, to see all that and have your identity crumble with that feeling of failure. It's like, am I a loser? You know, my, my, friends are going out for dinners and I can't afford to go. And then, you know, I'm giving up my apartment. I'm selling my car. I'm living in my parents' basement and I'm 28. And, you know, in finance, people are 28, they're doing super well. And so it's just a really tough from like an ego standpoint. And, and it's sort of that, you know, so that business failed and that kind of led to the next steps in the journey. 
Right. So uh, we'll, we'll continue on the journey a little bit. But before we do, I want to call out like, you know, I've heard a couple times now you're, you're talking about like sort of where you are in your career. And, and obviously I see this, you know, I, I do this myself. And I think it's ex- like one of the most common things ever. You, you naturally compare yourself to, um, you know, the people in your immediate environment, but also the people you see on Twitter or on the internet or your friend from high school who went into finance and you're 28 with a failed company and he's 28 and he's been in, you know, making money for seven years or whatever it's been. Um, and it's only natural to just sort of like compare yourself to people. But I imagine sort of through your work on yourself over the last, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so, um, you've sort of evolved to some degree of like looking at things a little bit differently. And, and, you know, ideally, like, you know, like I said, I'm thinking about this stuff all the time, and I still do it. So it's it's not something that maybe you can like totally overcome. But at the very least, you can sort of put that sort of, uh, you know, inclination to compare yourself to others all the time in a box and realize like, okay, you know, everyone's not as happy as they look on Instagram. And like, everyone's not as rich as they seem to be when they're going and like balling out on these big dinners all the time um, or having, you know, flying to this place and that place. Uh, how has your sort of perspective on, on like you're comparing yourself to others changed over time from those early years when you were trying to sort of win the rat race to maybe where you are now, where uh, it seems like you don't care quite as much about all this stuff? So there was a lot of work, primarily meditation. That was sort of the first one for me. Um, and I moved to Israel during this, you know, really tough time. And I did a 10 day meditation retreat, which is complete silence, 10 hours a day, hundred hours in total. And so for people listening, it's kind of, you know, um, like doing two years of calm or headspace in like a short period. And so you actually pick up the technique and it sounds crazy. It sounds super hard. Most people are like, there's no way I can do it, but it's actually the best way to learn because for most people, you start meditating, you do 10 minutes, you kind of fall off. You maybe go back and do 10 minutes. You sit down, your mind's just going wild with thoughts. And because you've never went inward, it's, it's tough. And you're like, oh, it's not working, you know? And so for most of my friends, meditation is really challenging. That's kind of the co- common theme that we hear. And so, so that retreat opened my eyes to, to feel, okay, if you, if you get into a deep meditative state, what happens? And what happened after that was a lot of self-reflection. So these, this behavior in my, my 20s, you know, drug use, material longing, comparing to friends on Instagram. That was like unconscious. I was just doing that, you know, it was just these feelings coming up and not even knowing, but just knowing like, Hey, I want that. I have this craving to like be successful, but it wasn't something that I would like, Oh, I'm comparing myself. I should stop that. Or I should put it into a box. It was just happening. And then as I started to meditate, more awareness of my, my thoughts started coming. And, and then, you know, after the Vipassana retreat, I got into psychedelic medicines and ayahuasca specifically, uh, which actually helped me. I've been, been sober ever since, which we can get into as well. But um, what happened in my, my mind is I started to become much more aware of my thoughts. So I would look at, you know, how I would do it now. And it still happens. So you're not never going to get away from comparing yourself. Like even now I left Ethereum. A lot of my friends are, you know, that I was working with are like billionaires. And so I look at that and be like, Hey, these guys are billionaire. And I'm like playing a sound bowl in my backyard with an ice bath, wearing like a funny hat, you know? And, and so that like dark thought will pop up, but now instead I, I notice it and say, like, Oh, okay. That's comparison. You know, that's what it feels like. Whereas before you just get stuck in that, that loop and it just keeps going. And so there's a, a difference of awareness, which has been uh, super helpful. And then another one that's big is, is anytime you're feeling that, com- you know, that awareness that, Hey, I'm comparing myself, it's to insert 
what are the trade-offs this person is making? And so an interesting one now for me is like, I'm, we, we have an app, we have a physical space. I'm, I'm working at a psychedelic medicine venture fund. I'm working like 15, 16 hours a day, again, trying to achieve. And, and so that desire is still there. Um, but you know, I've traded off some health over the past year. And so in other years where my diet's perfect, I'm exercising, I'm meditating, I've got my morning routine. Like it just hasn't been like that in the last year and, and that's okay. And so it's always, what are the trade-offs, you know, like now, I have friends come over who were addicted to, to drugs and they're, they're sober and they're like, Hey man, you made the difference, you know, coming to your space made the difference. And that feels amazing. Like guiding people through a breath work to a point where they say, Hey, I was scared to leave my house during COVID. And like, now I've conquered my fear because of this breath work you guys have created. That's really impactful. And so when the comparison comes, it's very helpful to just look at like, what is the trade-off? Well, if I still stayed in crypto, would I have a connection to these customers in the same way? Like, absolutely not. And so those, that's the way you can kind of judo martial arts, these things in your mind is first focus on awareness. So you know what the feeling is, feel it in your body, like sit with it. If it's anger, embarrassment, shame, guilt, it's okay. Like, and common part of the human experience to have these feelings, they'll never go away, but it's to sit with them. And then also, you know, kind of provide evidence that, Hey, the way you're looking at it, it isn't the whole picture. And so, like you said, it's, you know, okay, this person's spending all this money on this dinner on Instagram. Well, like, how do they feel at that dinner? Were they in their mind the whole time? Like I have to take a picture to share this with everybody or were they enjoying the dinner? So it's, there's, everything is trade-offs around like relationships, work. You know, if you want to push something forward with work, you're going to have to trade off some of your relationships and health. If you want to be as healthy as possible, you're going to have to trade off some social time. So I've kind of moved from being a really, really extreme person. Like this is the only way to more, having more self-love, you know, especially like if I slip up with something or like, I really just try to not be judgmental um, for anybody. Like if something works for you, go with that. So that, that's what, how I would say I, my thinking's evolved. Yeah, it's a, a great answer. And uh, I think the awareness is one thing, but the trade-offs you mentioned is, is certainly important as well. And I think the key there is like combining the two, you know, um, you, you don't want to be making trade-offs. I think that you're not consciously selecting and of course like we all do this all the time regardless of sort of how aware one might be but um there's a spectrum right and like you can at least try to try to select like the most important trade-offs in your life like for example if you're just constantly sacrificing your health for like a demanding job but you're just doing that because like you want to be as rich as the neighbor or whatever then that's maybe not like the best trade-off for you but if you're aware like you know, I'm trading off my health because I'm trying to build this big company that like, I think, you know, I think is making a real difference in the world. And like, that's my purpose. Then like, that's a trade-off that you've signed up for probably for like a pretty objectively better reason, at least like, uh, it's not objective. I guess it's, it's still your opinion at the end of the day, but um, you sort of know why you're making a given trade-off uh, and then doing it rather than just sort of sliding into it. So I think that's, that's pretty important, um, at least from my perspective. Um, you talked about how like the Vipassana re retreat, the 10 day meditation was sort of the start of it all for you. Um, and you know, there's, there's a number of meditation apps out there, but what I've noticed as sort of distinct about yours is that it's really doubling down and, and focused on breath work in particular, which in my mind, like, you know, being a novice with a lot of this stuff is, it's related to meditation, but it's, you know, you're not calling yourself a meditation app and it's, it's not really, I've used meditation apps and it's, it's not, it's a bit different. Like it's more music and breath and 
there's actually like breath audio in the background and someone's guiding you, telling you in and out. And um, by the way, as like a small uh, plug for, for those listening, we will have a, uh, a session at the end of this podcast that you can feel free to, uh, to keep listening to. And, and that'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. But um, what made you, Robbie, decide to focus like not just on, you know, another meditation app, but uh, to double down on, on the breath work in particular? So I think the main thing to kind of understand is that through your breath, you can control your physiology. It's like having, you know, an antidepressant, a psychedelic, a painkiller, uh, all in your pocket, uh, you know, a, a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, and through your breath, you're controlling your nervous system state. And we've found through research in as little as three minutes, you can change your nervous system state. And so what I mean by that is you can either press the gas, ramp up, move into fight or flight. And so what that means is, you know, your morning routine, boom, before a sales call, like I want energy and confidence afternoon. I don't want to have a coffee. I want to be ready. Uh, on the flip side, there's the, the break moving into the parasympathetic or rest and digest state where you feel emotions, you know, that's the state of the nervous system you're in when you find meaning, when you feel in love, when you cuddle, when you eat. And so through slow breathing, breathing deep into the lungs, you can trigger that side of the nervous system. And so we're trying to teach people is in five minutes, you know, you can, you can change your state at will and you can really feel it. And so what we just found, I, I tried, I was teaching meditation for quite a long time, trying to get friends into it, sharing my journals, talking about my retreats. And people were like, yeah, meditation's great. It's amazing. You know, the, there's tons of research. Everyone's recommending it and then struggling to, to make it a habit. And what I really like about breathwork is in a single session, like you can totally in 10 minutes boost your state and feel it. And then when you combine that with music, it's not like, hey, I've sat down and I don't know what I'm doing. Nothing's happening. It's, it's very similar to an exercise class in that way where you're listening to the music, you're following along, and then a, a biological change happens. Right. So, so you're literally like changing the state of your, your body and mind, which doesn't happen in meditation. So it's much more physical. So it's like priming yourself. Like sometimes you're just overthinking and going deeper into your thoughts is not going to help you. You know, what's going to help you is, is closing your thoughts by getting more into your body. And so breathwork provides an amazing access point to either relax and, and slow or to, to boost. And so that's for people listening, that, that's kind of the main difference. It's a body-based exercise that you can feel in a, in a single session. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, just sort of your your reasoning for going down this route versus the other, and and it resonates with me how you've seen people have difficulty with meditation, where this seems to work a little bit better for just starting to build any sort of mindfulness habit. If if you're gonna if you're open to sort of building anything, um, this seems like a a really practical route to go down. I actually did one uh, using your app Othership just before the show uh, I've been for a while now I've I try just as like because I'm always you know it's human nature I think like I'm always prepping for these podcasts you know not always for like a week in advance but at least usually days and spending hours and whatnot and then inevitably the human that I am I'm, I'm always jamming last minute to find the last couple nuggets of uh interesting information to make for a better show and uh, I don't like to just go straight from that, just like cramming for a test or whatever into doing the podcast. I like to take, you know, 10 minutes or even just five minutes or a few minutes, even just 10 breaths, just of like a meditation beforehand, just to like, you know, reset a little bit and calm myself down. Um, so naturally today I, I used your app to do that. 
but I think I like, I think I might've signed up for one of the, uh, you know, pump up ones or, or whatever you might call it. Like not the wind down, uh, where it was doing like pretty aggressive, like fast breath. And I still really enjoyed it. Like the music was great. Uh, the woman who was leading it, like did a great job. There was some breathing noises. Like I said, that help sort of guide you like really positive experience, just not what I was expecting. And, and that's probably on me. Um, so it didn't like wind me down. It sort of like pumped me up. And then I noticed even when I got on the, uh, the, the recording with you, I was like all like jacked up and it's sort of like surprising to myself. But I think it's because uh, there must have been like some, even though it was only like a five minute thing, there must have been some actual sort of physiological impact um, from doing that. Like very, you know, it's not a breathing uh, sort of sequence that I would normally do. It was like very fast um, and like a lot of more inhaling than outhaling, which is sort of counter to what I've done with meditation type things. Um, so maybe you could walk through a little bit like what these different types of like how you would sort of categorize these different types of exercise or I don't even know the best place to, to tell you to start, but sort of to get into breathwork basics for those who are really just new to this concept entirely. Yeah, I think there's, there's kind of three reasons you might use breathwork. And so the first today, what you did there, you know, there's many names for this Wim Hof holotropic is, you know, a style transformational breathing. It's any breathing where you're exhaling much faster than you're, you're inhaling. And as a result, you're changing the amount of carbon dioxide in the body. And what that does is creates a fight or flight response. So your brain produces norepinephrine and that's a adrenal response. So you're, you know, creating energy, you're, you're getting wired, you're finding focus. Uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman, a neuroscientist from Stanford talks about prior to a learning session, creating an adrenal response is, is super important to retain focus. And, you know, you can do this through nicotine, which is less healthy. You can do it through a cold bath, you can do it through exercise, you can do it through breathing. So we, we love these like five minute sessions, 10 minute sessions, like you said, to kind of get you into the zone. And so that's one reason is like a, think of it as an energy boost and that's available at, at any time, you know, kind of an afternoon coffee. And that's why I mentioned it's like breath works, like having all these things in your, in your pocket on the flip side, there's this like rest and digest system I had mentioned, uh, which really controls your heart rate variability. And so we can, we can get into that if that's interesting, but it's, it's kind of a measure of how well your body responds to stress, how resilient you are, how able you are when you get into an anxious state to pull back down. And so that fight or flight state I mentioned, every time you're looking at your email, Slack notification, oh, am I gonna be late for this meeting? What did this person say on social media? Our brains don't know that's not real stress. And you just find yourself after you're, you're looking at your phone all day, you feel a little bit off and it's because you're so deep in the fight or flight space. And so through breathing, as I mentioned, long, deep breaths, and maybe we'll just try one now. If you're, if you're listening, like put one hand on the belly, one on the chest and just take a nice slow inhale. And a nice, long, slow exhale. You can feel the tension release from your shoulders and in like a single breath, you can start to change your state. And so when you're breathing deep into the lungs, you're triggering this parasympathetic nervous system. And, and 20 years ago, 50 years ago, hundred years ago, we would be in that state all the time. You know, when, when were you actually last bored? And the answer is, is never because I have my phone. And so it, it, normal, you know, going outside as a kid to play, you might remember that. And, and there's, yeah, moments of boredom, but it's in that state of rest and digest where our emotions and our connection and our meaning is. And so because of cell phones, we've become so out of that state, which is good for like focus and work, but it's, it's like half of your life 
is missing, you know? And so this style of breathing helps you after a long work day to kind of move into the parasympathetic state. It can help before a meal. If you want to improve your digestion, it can help if you're having a panic attack or anxiety, a really interesting uh, point that not a lot of people know is, you know, you hear at the doctor or therapist, take a big, deep inhale to relax. That's actually super energizing. So what's really nice. If you're ever struggling with a panic attack is slowly exhales down. Even if you're, you're nervous about work, about a meeting, whatever it is, you're, you're feeling those nerves, you know, you, you slow down your breathing, like eight count exhale, you know, three count inhale, eight count exhale and do little holds, little 20 second holds. And the holds build up the carbon dioxide in your body which counterintuitively actually allows you to absorb more oxygen. And so a lot of times anxious responses are not getting oxygen, enough oxygen to the brain because their breathing patterns have changed so much, which we can talk about. So just repeating those points, cause there's a lot there to unpack. One is, you know, boosting your energy by creating a fight or flight response, which is great when you need it. Moving into the parasympathetic to, to find like relaxation, more feelings of meaning, ability to distance yourself from thoughts. And then the third one on the triangle is, is emotional release. And what that means is, is if you extend this energetic breathing for 15, 20, 30 minutes, you're actually reducing the amount of oxygen to the brain. So your, your blood vessels close, you're reducing so much carbon dioxide, your blood vessels constrict and the amount of blood flow to the brain can decrease by 50, 60%. And as a result, the prefrontal cortex, it's a part of our mind where all the thinking happens. So, you know, you wake up, Oh, I've got all these tasks, my kids, uh, what does this person think about me? Like our mind is just, it's a the monkey mind. They call it. it's going all the time. You actually shut down that part of the brain. And over time in these like 30 minute, one hour sessions, emotions start to come up uh, and, and get processed. And so you have these massive releases. So, you know, if there's guilt there, if there was a breakup, if you lost your job, if you're feeling ashamed of something you did, if, you know, you're struggling with panic, there's fear around something like COVID. We've seen these breathworks time and time again, allow people to release old emotions and like thought patterns and, and like thousands of people, people messaging me saying, you know, again, I mentioned that, that COVID example, another one, like, oh, my girlfriend just broke up with me. I can't stop thinking about it. And so you're creating a physical response to turn off the ruminating mind. You also get there in meditation as well. It's just much more challenging. So without a meditation practice, you can kind of come in in a 30 minute session and create space. And then the releases that happen, these emotional releases, processing of these things, you just feel so much better after. So those are the three reasons we see people use this, you know, to, to boost their energy and find focus where they do it in the morning or like before a podcast, like you mentioned, to uh, reduce stress after work, to kind of move into that parasympathetic and not be like thinking so much. And then the third is to create space and process challenging emotions. And that, that's the majority of our customers are using breathwork for those uh, purposes. Right. And so do you see people typically like, I, I want to get into the product now, sort of specifically where you're at now, where you're going uh, right now. I like the breakdown you had on the website where you, you talked about, you guys have a URL, which is like the digital space and you're working on an IRL, which is a physical space, um, which is, was a pretty cool natural breakdown. I thought with the, uh, with the letters, but i um, curious to hear a little bit about the physical space, but before we get there, want to cover what you guys are offering on the digital space. And you've, you've talked about like sort of the three main use cases there sort of to get like, you know, I'm butchering it with my own words now, but like get pumped up, like chill out or um, what was the last thing, like create some space and have some like emotional release. Um, do you see people using it for like a combination of all of these things? 
um, you know, what are like the, uh, I guess, how are people interacting now? And is it sort of what you expected or, or what you intended? Or have there been surprises? Um, for me personally, like I, I know, like sort of using the app, I think I'd be interested in at least the first two, um, you know, certain times where I want to sort of like get my heart rate up a little bit. Um, and other times, probably, probably the most frequent like thing that I would use it for would be sort of the wind down and chill out after a day's work or whatever it might be. But curious to hear sort of where you guys are now and, and where you're going. It's a pretty good mix. And, and how this started, we were actually doing in our physical space breathwork concerts. And again, you know, I mentioned the addiction issues and I'm sober and, I, you know, I was spending time in like cocaine anonymous and alcohol anonymous and in like a church basement. And I would go there and feel broken and feel like, Hey, there's something wrong with me. And then I'd want to go out at night, but like, like, what could I do? You know, my friends are going to nightclubs and bars around alcohol. And I just didn't feel comfortable with that for a long time. Now it's fine. But for a long time, I was in a space of, I don't want to be around that. And so the whole idea was like, could we create social experiences that were still uplifting, inspiring, but like fun. And so we'd have friends come over and we would have two live musicians playing these amazing songs and they would, we would guide breath work over top of the music as a, as a social event. And so everybody would show up, people would do like a little share, like how they're feeling, you know, and friends. And instead of a bottle of wine and a 26 er of vodka it would be like really awesome music and, and like live musicians playing, guiding this breath work. And then after everyone has this emotional release together, and it doesn't have to be something like, you know, I say emotional release, like, Oh, what does that mean? It's just like some, some positive feelings. So you're doing this and like, maybe you, you feel, wow, I'm really grateful. I'm friends with Jake or like, it was really beautiful what my daughter did when she got me a present yesterday. You just kind of start to have, that's an emotional release. You know, it's getting out of your head. So you just start to feel positive things, forgiveness, perhaps gratitude, you know, patience. And so we were doing these live events and people are like, holy shit, this was so cool. And then after the release, you're like in the mood to chat and socialize. So everyone's talking, feeling good. And then you go home, you have an amazing sleep. And so that's kind of how all this stuff started. And, and that was like, oh, that's really cool. Like maybe we should just do this live during COVID. And so instead of, you know, people couldn't leave their houses, we just started doing it on zoom. And it was like a breathwork dance party, you know, where they'd be like, really, and this was something super unique, like in meditation now, like no one's using electronic music and hip hop sets and like crazy burning man mixes and, and stuff. That's like, wow, this is like, cool. Like, this is something I would listen to when I'm going to the gym. And so we kind of started doing that. We had some movement involved and that grew to thousands of people. And then it was just a side project. Like it's something me and my, my wife and there's five of us and five best friends that are co-founders. And, and, you know, one of my friends is a musician. And so we would just, he would make the music, make these sets, we would record them and put them out and, and people loved it. And that's kind of how it started with these deep dive, 30 minute, 60 minute social breath work. So people love that. And they use those kind of once a week or maybe have some friends over and they'll put it on and all guide it together. And now we're still doing live concerts. So we're actually going out to New York this week to do, to do three of them. And the idea is, you know, new social experiences that are healthy and uplifting. And then what we found, which was like a bit surprising is when we went to the app, people wanted mostly short ones. So they would love the long ones occasionally, but, you know, maybe once a week on like a Sunday morning, maybe before a big life decision, maybe if they're feeling down, but then majority of people are, you know, waking up in the morning. This is how I use it too. First thing it's beside my bed, alarm goes off, boom, seven minute Kickstarter. And I just listen to music and I breathe. And it's like, before anything else, I've changed my state. I'm feeling great. I'm boosting my energy, like pre-coffee. And so a ton of people love that uplift. And then a lot of stuff, people were asking like, Hey, I'm actually 
stressed at, at work. You know, I want to, I've been working 14 hours. I'm all day, like on my phone. How do I go from like working and burnt out to feel normal, to hang out with my, my family. And then we did something really cool because, you know, even five minutes can be a lot for people. So we made some breathing tracks to be used just for walking or cooking with really slow breathing. So you can kind of be doing your thing at your house that you're already doing. Maybe you're tidying up and we have perfect breathing layered in really slow. So you're getting relaxed while you're cooking, very minimal guidance, super easy to just do as part of your day. So it's not like an added 10 minute thing. Found a lot of people uh, kind of started asking for that. And so we just did that. And that was totally unexpected that like, Hey, you don't even need the guidance. It can just be for background breathing while, even while you're working and then uh, sleep, sleep was the final one. And so we partnered with some awesome facilitators here with beautiful voices to kind of really lull you to sleep with these affirmations on top of the breathing. And that was something new too. It was like, taking these breathwork sessions and adding in questions, affirmations, um, different ways to kind of prepare your body and mind for sleep. So that's sort of what we found. It started as just a breathwork concert for fun and has now adapted into like, you know, a platform where whatever need you're having, if you want to go up, down or, or release, uh, is available. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. And it's like evident to anyone. I mean, trying the app, uh, it's pretty evident that it's like a different thing. Uh, the music, like you mentioned, the background, not like your typical, just like meditation chimes or something like this. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like what music that you might expect in sort of like a cool club type of like environment, I would say, at least the ones that I've listened to. Uh, and then uh, what was the other thing? Oh, you, yeah, you had mentioned like you're sort of having these like parties. Like, there's definitely like sort of a a social feel to it. And even you know, before I even went into the app, I checked out the website, and like you guys have a cool logo. I even like like the font on the website. It's just like a, a nice. Uh, it's like just not not another meditation app, I guess. Not again. Not that there's anything wrong with those. I think they work well for a lot of people, um, and I've used some in the past. But uh, I'm excited about sort of other ship and, and how it's doing things a little bit differently. Um, I want to leave some time at the end here for, uh, for the example that we're going to do the, uh, the breath work that we'll do for those who have made it this far and, and want to listen through to the end. Uh, and, and you're going to do that yourself. I understand. Um, uh, but before we, before we break for that, um, any, any sort of final comments on, on what you're doing and, uh, you know, breath work for, for those who are, sort of following along to this point, things you haven't been able to say or, or anything outside of breathwork that you just feel like talking about. Um, and then it would be great to uh, get to get to know where you want people to sort of follow your journey and, and other ships, whether it's Twitter or the website or, or the like. I think the final thing to remember is that, you know, if you haven't resonated with meditation before because of the spiritual aspect or maybe the, the woo factor of, of some of these practices, there is a way to use science-backed techniques. There's just an enormous amount of research about how breathing can be the number one predictor for longevity is like healthy breathing, which was, was wild. It's called the Framingham study. And so these techniques are backed by science, backed by research, and then they're fun. You know, like you can make wellness doesn't have to be, I'm, I'm broken. I have to do this hard thing. It can be, it can be fun. It can be community based. Um, so if you're thinking next time, Hey, I want to have some friends over and do something unique. We actually have an article out about how to run a community like breathwork concert for your own followers, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, we're also opening physical spaces around the app with the same idea that like, let's build something inspiring and cool 
for people that they can really like feel bought into the, the mission. And the mission is just to, to help people feel better, you know, not because like you're broken, but to help people feel better because you, you want to, and we all deserve that. And so our mission, you know, we've got these physical spaces with crazy 45 person sauna and ice bath. And in those we do classes, you know, breathwork classes in the sauna and in the ice, and then we have a tea room. And so at night you can go and hang out without any alcohol. And so everything around our brand is making social experiences fun, healthy, inspiring, cool. And I don't think anyone's taken that kind of um, swing at wellness before. And that's like you said, like it feels different. And so it's just an authentic outpouring. You know, this wasn't even meant to be a business. It started as an ice bath in my backyard and then breathwork concerts and the course. And then, you know, we made a garage space into our first hot and cold. And now it's like a flagship in Toronto. And it's all just come from like doing stuff we love with our friends and like helping them and then like listening to what they say and building more on top of it. So if you're in Toronto and you want to come by the physical space, it's called Othership and we'll, we'll, we'll list it out, but we're, we're already looking at spaces in the U S and the idea is to have a whole new lifestyle brand where you can like hang with your friends. It's fun. And you can, you know, kind of do the start, start on your path. If you've never done anything like this before. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for, for coming on and, and sharing all this. I think your reasoning for, uh, or the path to, to starting Othership is starkly different from, you know, starting your first company. And it really came like sort of by accident, just doing what you loved and turned into a business. I think it's awesome. I, I think there's a huge um, demand for, for what you're doing with these different types of social events focused on breath work and health. I know a ton of people who, who will be interested. So um, thank you again for coming on. And uh, without any further ado, let's, uh, let's do some breath work. Awesome. And we'll get started in a minute. I'll, I'll play, uh, you know, uh, some music and, and get ready. So if you can find a space, like, you know, if you're driving, probably don't do it. But if you um, can find a space to maybe like lie down, you can pause it, grab some headphones, play it again. Uh, it'll be best with headphones with a like, great sound. And we're just going to do three rounds of a Wim Hof style of breathing. And so it's just going to be in, two, out, two, and you're going to follow along, trying to breathe in as much as you can, like really all the way into the belly and then out. And you're never stopping, never holding your breath. So it's continuous breath. So it'll be three rounds of like into, out, two, then in, out, and you'll, you'll hear the breathing on the track. So you just follow along. You don't have to remember any of this. And then there'll be three holds. And in the hold, there'll be questions we ask to, to get introspective. And in those holds, you'll start to feel by the third round, your mind quieting. And you'll feel what I had talked about, about boosting your energy, feeling inspired, feeling the mind quiet, getting some space. And so during those holds, there'll be about, you know, 30 seconds, one minute, one minute, 30. And at the end of the hold, you'll hear like, take it all the way in. So big breath in and you'll squeeze, you'll squeeze your hands, your feet, you'll push it to your head. And then you'll let go with a, a sigh or a sound. If you, if you feel like making, that's kind of that release I was talking about. So one last time, and don't worry, just go for it. The instructions are pretty clear, but like into out to in out big breath in exhaling, holding on empty, and then big breath in after, after the hold, uh, and learn this from, uh, the Tumo and, and Wim Hof techniques, which are uh, amazing. So without further ado, I am going to, uh, share my sound here. I think you just need to make me a host quickly and I'll, I'll, uh, do it. All right. Is that, are you able to do it now? Yep. Okay. Perfect. Okay, let's uh, let's get into it here. This is your feel good now electronic edition, getting you to that energized state. This is the advanced version. 
Long holds, double holds, minimally guided, questions on the holds. Let's go. Getting ready. In three, two, one, and in.
that second holds. Here we go. Inhale fully. All the way up. Exhale fully. In this moment of peace, what do you want to start prioritizing? Visualize those goals and priorities. See yourself accomplishing them. Final song. Back at that standard pace. Three, two, one, and. Thank you. 
full inhale, as much oxygen as you can take in, fully expanding the lungs. In three, two, one, big inhale. Holding, holding. Nice slow exhale, holding on empty. Now in this flow state, while the mind is quiet, what do you want to say yes to? Feel, hear, and see yourself saying yes. Gotta slow up, gotta shake this high. Gotta take a minute just to ease my mind. Cause if I don't walk, then I get caught out. And I'll be falling all the way down. Turn my head and shut my eyes. Doesn't even matter if I'm wrong or right. Cause if I don't walk, I keep messing around. And I'll be falling all the way down. Getting ready for our last few big breaths. And squeezes. Big inhale, all the way in, all the way up. Big exhale, all the way down. Gonna hit you with the double. Big inhale, all the way up. Finish it with that luxurious exhale, all the way down. our electronic feel good now going a little deeper than normal with those inquisitive questions congratulations do that every day asking yourself those questions when you need to figure out what do you value what do you want to prioritize and what do you want to say yes to